third mark. Looking at a, a series that I've titled Carriers. Carriers of Hope. Uh, carriers of Jesus. And uh, tonight we're looking at a, uh, at a section from Mark's Gospel in Chapter 2. So we're just going to read it through. And then um, we'll have a little Bible study. How about that, people? A little Bible study. So Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through to 12, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation tonight. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And Lord, we thank you so much for your word was made flesh, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to see what you're trying to help, what you're wanting us to see tonight. God, help us to walk away from this situation in amazement so that others can see how good you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week, you remember, we looked at a uh, message called Isolated, and um, excuse me, it was a message where, uh, it was the passage where Jesus healed the man who had leprosy, you know, and, so, and, and it was a picture of salvation, that, um, that Jesus touched this leper, you know, and that, that God came down, you know, at Bethlehem as the baby Jesus, and touched our humanity, you know, and dealt with our disease, our sin on the cross. He became isolated for us. You know, he became sin for us so that we can become <coughs> righteous like him before God. That's amazing grace, isn't it? And so, and, and we left that scene with Jesus out in the wilderness areas because he couldn't make it into towns because he was so popular and the crowds would stop him from doing things. So anyway, the crowds would go out and visit Jesus out in the wilderness. And, and here it says, you know, Jesus returned to Capernaum 
several days later, several days after that, he's come back to Capernaum, which is where he left, where he healed Peter's mother-in-law, where he, where he went to the synagogue and cast out the demon from that poor man. You know, that this is Capernaum. And uh, he's come back to Capernaum. And, and we find that throughout the Gospels, we find that Jesus' home was Capernaum. You know, he, he kind of grew up in Nazareth, yeah, but eventually he, he kind of moved home to Capernaum. And, and a lot of his ministry, a lot of his life was spent in Capernaum um, doing amazing things, teaching, teaching God's word, teaching about the kingdom of God and, and doing miracles. And uh, Capernaum, it, uh, before we go any further, I just want to talk about Capernaum. Uh, Capernaum is, um, you know, a place they loved Jesus. They loved Jesus. They, they, they welcomed him. They were, there were crowds that blocked up door, like homes, you know, surrounded homes. The whole town would come because they loved Jesus. They loved him for the miracles. They loved him for the wonders. They loved him for what they could get out of Jesus. He came to Capernaum. They loved him for the miracles and the teaching. But I want to turn, if, you, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. Now Luke, all, Luke also mentions this in his gospel, but um, there's a little something that we need to know about Capernaum and about Jesus's view of Capernaum. Now, in Matthew 12, Jesus has um, has just sent his... Uh, sorry, Matthew 11. My apologies. Matthew 11. Uh, Jesus has just uh, heard about John the Baptist. Um, and if you go down... Uh, Verse 20, Matthew 11, verse 20, uh, goes like this. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they hadn't repented of their sins and turned to God. Let me read that again. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they, had re they hadn't repented of their sins and turned to God. So Jesus has done amazing miracles in these places. But the point why Jesus came was to preach, was to preach the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. You know, repent means you're guilty of something, but believe means you can be forgiven. He, he, he went around everywhere, repent and believe, repent and believe. But, but so many people, they just wanted Jesus for what they could get out of him on earth, from the miracles. They loved the miracles, but they hadn't repented of their sins and turned to God. So here's Jesus' words. These are Jesus, this is Jesus' words. What sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? There's two places. For if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long ago clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. I tell you, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on judgment that day than you. And get this, and, and you people of Capernaum, says Jesus, will you be honoured in heaven? No, you will go down to the place of the dead. For if the miracles I did for you had been done in wicked Sodom, it would still be here today. I tell you, even Sodom will be better off on judgment day than you. What's Jesus saying there is that, you know, the miracles, if the miracles were done in 
the most horrible and evil places hundreds of years ago in the Old Testament, those people would have seen the miracles and thought, God is here. The kingdom of God is here. We need to get our hearts right. We need to get our heads right. We've got to stop the way we're living and live God's way and repent. That's what repentance is, to change, to change the way you think, to change the way you live. And so Jesus is saying, Sodom, if Sodom had seen these miracles, they would have repented and turned to God. But he's not saying all the people in Capernaum were evil. He's just saying as a, as a symbol, this, this, the, the spirit of Capernaum, the town, was an affluent town. It was fairly popular. It was, it was one of the largest, if not the largest, town on the lake in those times. And they had everything going for them. It was a nice place. It was like a holiday place to go. You know, people were just having fun. And it was, you, everyone was feeling good and, and life wasn't that hard for a lot of people. And they just loved Jesus for his miracles, you know. But when it came to the message that Jesus declared, they weren't going to budge. And particularly the religious sector, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They wouldn't budge when it came to Jesus' teaching. In fact, they thought that he was blaspheming. He was blaspheming God. He was, they thought that Jesus was saying that he was God. In fact, he was. In Mark chapter 2, we see Jesus coming to a place called Capernaum. And Jesus, being God, they didn't even notice that he was God. Let's have a look at our Bibles again. So in verse 1, he comes to Capernaum. Verse 2, soon the house where he was staying was, no, was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralysed man on a mat. Here enters the scene. You can see the scene. There's Jesus. He's in the middle of this house. We don't know if it's Peter's house or some other house. We don't know. But we know it's got a roof because of what happens later on. And we know that there's a whole crowd there and they're crowding inside the house and they're crowding outside the house and no one can come or go. Is really bad, really bad um, fire restrictions going on. If there was a fire, it'd be it'd be dangerous. There's no workplace health and safety going on there at all. It's just Jesus teaching, and everyone just wants to hear hear him teach and see the miracles. And all of a sudden, enter stage stage left. Four men carrying a man on a mat, and the man on the mat, Mark tells us, is paralyzed. It's para He's paralyzed. I don't know if you ever. You ever been paralysed before? I know sometimes I'll wake up and my arm's paralysed. You know, have you ever done that before? You wake up and you, you've got a dead arm or uh, you've been sleeping on it and you, and you can't actually move it. You can't feel it. Um, you want to move it. Your head is saying, I want to move that. But the rest of you isn't connected to the head. What the head wants is not what the body is doing. And, uh, and that's the same sort of thing with, with um, this man. He is paralysed. He doesn't want to be paralysed. I'm sure he has his mind. I'm sure he has, he knows that what he's thinking. He, he, 
He's thinking every day, I, I wish I could just move, but I can't. I wish I could just move, but I can't. If, what his head wants, his body doesn't obey. The body just doesn't obey the head. And here is this man representing the city that he lives in. The body is not obeying the head. The head, Jesus, walks into the town and nobody recognizes that he's God. And nobody wants to repent and turn. And so Jesus ends up talking about them in, in Matthew chapter 11, about being a, a city that had all the miracles, had all the time in the world to change, but was just paralyzed from the neck down. They just would not do what Jesus wanted them to do. It's a picture, parallelism is a picture of, of, of Christ and his, and his body, Jesus and the body. Jesus is the head and the church is the body of Christ. And sometimes I think we can be paralysed. I know sometimes I can be paralysed by fear. Paral par being paralysed is paralysis, is, is having the inability to move, to not being able to move forward. Have you ever been in that sort of situation before? You know, last week we, we talked about the leper and he was isolated, but he could move around. This man is paralyzed. He can't move around. Now, some of you might be joking, yeah, well, we're, we're in lockdown. We're in stage four. We, we can't move. We're, we're, we're paralyzed. But let's go a bit deeper than that. You know, has fear paralyzed you from trusting God in some aspect of your life? Has, has a relationship become paralyzed? Has it become lifeless? You know, your head wants it to be better, but the body says, I don't know. This man, we don't know how he got paralyzed. We don't know if it was his fault or if it was someone else's or if it was a disease that he had that ended up like this. We have no idea if he was born like this. We're not told that. Mark doesn't give us the details. He just tells us that he's paralyzed. And he has four friends. And he has a mat, a bed. Here we go. In verse, in verse 2, soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They carried him on a mat. You know, sometimes we can make mats for the things that we find ourselves paralysed with. Yeah, we won't call them excuses, we'll just call them mats. They help us to keep moving around, keep functioning, but we still remain paralysed in some area of our life. We still remain stubborn and unable to move forward. And uh, we, we, we build a bed for it. We, we hang around other people that build beds for their, for their uh, paralysis as well. And, and, and we, comfort, we comfort the issue more than we confront the issue. You know, it's, it's not his fault. It's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a hereditary thing. You know, but Jesus came to heal. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to, to rescue people that were in darkness. 
He came to break the chains of the prisoners and set them free. Jesus came to confront the issues that a lot of us comfort and build beds for and live our lives around. Maybe it's time tonight to confront some issues in your life. I'm not sure. Jesus knows what they are. I, know, I don't know what they are. I know what they are in my life, but I'm not going to share them with you, not right now, between me and God. But you have your own issues, and they, they, they stop you from being all that God wants you to be or all that God has destined you to become. You know, and, and, and sometimes we can just think to ourselves, I can't fight this. I'll just make a bed for it. I'll just give it an excuse. I'll just call it a name. I'll give it a conditional name. And I won't move forward towards Jesus. But this guy, he had friends. He had four friends that carried him to Jesus. You know, some people need carrying to Jesus. Some people just need carrying to Jesus. Not kicking and screaming, but carrying. You know, careful carrying. You know, each one of these four men that carried their friend, they they went all the way through town carrying this man on a mat. And they all had to think about how everyone else was doing their job in order to keep the mat level all the way to the destination. Now, I don't know about you, but I know a, th- a, a few people in, in my past that have helped to carry me to Jesus. And uh, they've, they've trusted uh, in, in Jesus to do the work in my life. And they've, they've shown me ways to, uh, or shown me ways to, to learn the Bible more or uh, uh, encourage me to go along to uh, church events or, uh, prayed for me or or even challenged me on some of my lifestyle choices. Each one of them have, have played a part to carry me to Jesus. And isn't it wonderful that everyone gets that opportunity to do that with someone at some time? I don't know if you might be carrying someone right now. You might even be visiting our, our broadcast right now on Facebook and, and someone carried you here. Someone invited you here. Um, I don't know. Or maybe maybe you're here and you're you uh, you know there's there's someone heavy on your heart for the last week or so and and you've just been carrying them to Jesus in prayer. You know some people just need carrying to Jesus. But you ever thought about when to stop carrying people to Jesus? It's a difficult thing because um, it's there's an ongoing process involved. These four men. They got to the place where they planned to walk into the front door, carrying their friend on a, on a mat to the foot of Jesus and have Jesus help him to walk, heal him and make him walk. That was the plan. And so they got to the house. The house was crowded. So they had to do plan B. We can't go through the crowd. Let's go above the crowd. But sadly, they, they got there late. Uh, they, Jesus was already through his sermon, so they weren't really there for the teaching. They were there for their friend. They got up to the roof and were told, in verse 4, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head, above Jesus' head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Now, I don't know, I kind of figured that they lowered him in front of Jesus and he was kind of hanging in the air. I don't know. 
Uh, some people will think that it was on the floor, and that's fine. Um, but I kind of like the idea that as their friends were lowering this man, his eyes would have been able to move. And his eyes would have connected with the eyes of Jesus Christ. And we're told uh, that they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. We're told that Jesus saw their faith. It took four people to carry this man to Jesus. And Jesus saw their faith and said to this man, he saw their faith. This tells me one thing. If you have enough faith for your friend or your loved one to get a touch from Jesus and they don't have any faith, your faith is enough. You know, this man, this paralyzed man, it was probably out of faith. He's probably just thought, well, you know what? Nothing has worked in my life. I'm going to be crippled for the rest of my life. I'm going to be paralyzed by this situation for the rest of my life. There's no moving forward. I may as well just add this to the list of things that identify me and move on with my life. But their friends were not stopping there. They carried him to Jesus. They had faith and they put that faith in action. Their attitude was what got them going. Their stubborn attitude. They dug through somebody's roof. I don't know what kind of roof it was. It might have been some kind of mud roof or a clay roof or something with branches or something. Anyway, they went to great level, uh, great steps to, to dig through somebody's roof. The religious guy's attitude that we see here is not like these friends' attitude. These friends' attitude was to go all the way and nothing was going to stop them. But the religious guys, they just thought their party was interrupted. They were probably listening to the amazing teaching of Jesus and uh, they, wanted to, they wanted to trip him up somewhere and, and uh, call him out on something. But here comes an interruption, which happens to be part of the plan. It says here, seeing their faith, Jesus says to the paralyzed man, Get up and walk, which is what the friends would have wanted to hear, right? But we know that that's not what Jesus says. He doesn't say get up and walk. But the friends are thinking, my goodness, we've done all this. We've gone all this way. We've carried him through town. He's not light. We've, we've gotten to this place late, this party late. There's people all around. They don't care about us. We've heard Jesus is there. How are we going to get him in there? And so they climb on the roof. They go to all these, all this extent to get their friend in to see Jesus. And then all of a sudden, Jesus disappoints them by saying, your sins are forgiven. I wonder what they thought. I wonder if they felt like, what? We didn't come here for this. We didn't come here to have our sins forgiven. We came here to see our friend walking. And so here in this interruption, Jesus sees an opportunity. Verse 6, but some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is, he, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. 
Only God can forgive sins. Jesus here is claiming to be God. He's claiming without any reservation, claiming to be God. And he knows what's going to happen next. But for Jesus, the most important healing that there would be would be not a healing of the outside body, but a healing of the heart. When he saw Je- when, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven. He saw this man needed a healing that was beyond what was obvious on the outside. Now, I said before that this man is a picture of the town he was in. It was a paralysed town. Paralysed people, disconnected from the head, believing that what they thought about God was true, but when God visited their town, they were disconnected. They were not connected to him. It's very important to know this because when it comes to forgiveness, forgiveness with God gets that connection back again. You know, there's no miracle better than having your heart forgiven. You might have cancer. You might be blind. You might be paralyzed. You might be deaf. I pray that you would be healed in Jesus' name. But the biggest and most effective healing that Jesus could ever do for you is to forgive your heart. Because if your heart is forgiven, then you're promised a place in heaven where you will walk, where you will see, where you will hear, where everything will be perfect and forever, eternally. You know, sometimes we focus on the here and now too much, like Capernaum, like those religious people in Capernaum, the teachers of religious law. They focused on the here and now too much, and when God was in their face, they just didn't connect. The, the wires between the head and the body weren't connecting. And there was no functioning. And so here they see Jesus is claiming to be God, but they don't believe he's God. But Jesus, in verse 8, says he knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say, stand up, pick up your mat and walk? Well, it's easy to say someone's, oh, your sins are forgiven. It's easy to say, isn't it? Anyone can say that. But what Jesus wanted to do here was prove that what he did say had authority. And Jesus said, Jesus said, in verse 10, I will prove to you that the Son of Man, that's a, that's a claim of himself, his divinity, it's a, it's a title that Jesus used of himself. Uh, it comes from Daniel as well, talking about how God would become a person, basically. He's the Son of Man. Has the, uh, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. You need some sins forgiven, you know where to go. Jesus. Jesus has the authority on earth to forgive sins. So he says to this man, this paralyzed man, who didn't ask for his sins to be forgiven, you're forgiven. 
And to prove that he had the authority to say that, he turns to the, turns to the Pharisees, turned to the, turned the paralyzed man, sorry, and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Jesus heals paralyzed hearts first. You know, the Bible says that God is holy or perfect, and heaven is holy or perfect. And for anyone to be with God after they die, they need to be holy or perfect also. So here is the problem. Sin. Sin has stopped us from being perfect. Romans 3.23 says, All of us have sinned and fall short of God's holy standard. It's a standard that we miss. We can't get to heaven without Jesus. We are like the guy in our story Paralyzed, paralyzed by sin. And Jesus came to pay that debt of perfection that we owe God. He died on the cross in our place. He was cursed so that we don't have to be cursed. So here is the solution. God forgives. The problem is sin, so we need to repent. But the, but the solution is God forgives. So we need to believe that. That's why the religious guys got so upset with Jesus. Jesus was calling himself God. I don't know where you sit on this, but um, here what happens is this man, he, after Jesus said these words to him, which is what he was hoping to hear in the first place, the man it says, jumped up. And he didn't run away from his mat. He picked his mat up and walked out through the stunned onlookers. Can you just see that? Can you just see the, the onlookers, the, the, the crowd just parting as this single figure that was carried in on the mat is now carrying the mat out with a big smile on his face. And not only that, with a, with a massive weight off of his shoulders, off of his heart, having his sins forgiven and his body made whole. There's a connection all of a sudden when Jesus says, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. There's a connection all of a sudden between the head and the body. There's a connection that couldn't be made without Jesus. Can you see how that's a picture of, of salvation, of why Jesus came? Jesus didn't come to seek and save the miracle lovers. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to seek and save the lost. Yeah, he did amazing miracles, but those miracles backed up his teaching exactly like he was doing just now with the Pharisees and everyone else in the room. If they were guessing if he was God anymore, that he's claiming that he was God, then, then all of those doubts were squashed because Jesus was now claiming to be God, that he could forgive sin. And to prove it, he healed this man and told him to walk. The illustration walked out of the room of how God forgives us by Jesus Christ, by the word of God. Jesus forgave that man. And then he showed what that looks like by healing him. And he walked out carrying what was carrying him in. <coughs> now you and I... 
I don't know what who carried you here tonight or what carries you through life when you're paralyzed. Uh, hopefully it's God. But sometimes we use other things. Um, but your story, your your story, or this man's mat pretty much was his story. His body was now present with his mind. And the four friends, we don't hear about them anymore. We don't know what happened to them. But they never let a crowd get in the way. They never let their friend's issue define their friend. They kept going and they carried him to Jesus and they left the rest to Jesus. And man walked out carrying what was carrying him to start with. Now this series is called Carriers. I wonder, when that man left that, that house that day, he was not the man with, that was paralyzed. He was the man that was carrying his mat. He was carrying his testimony. And everywhere he would walk around Capernaum that day and the days to come, people would say, hey, you're the guy who was on that mat. And he was then able to give them an opportunity to hear the wonderful story of forgiveness that Jesus and only Jesus can bring to a paralyzed heart. And here he was, the perfect example of what that looks like in reality as well. If your heart's paralyzed tonight by sin, it's not too late. Somebody say, I'm paralyzed, I'm not dead. I'm only paralyzed, I'm not dead. You know, and sometimes when you go through life situations that feel like you're paralyzed, you can say to yourself, I'm only paralyzed, I'm not dead. And I know the one who is able to heal me of this paralysis, of this, of this par, par, paralysis. Thank you, of this paralysis. His name is Jesus. So let's come before him right now before we uh, finish off this um, service and uh, pray and ask him to, yeah, to heal our hearts and to also heal anything else that's causing us to not move forward today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. Jesus, we thank you so much that you are the only one on earth that has the authority to forgive our sins. Lord Jesus, there, there's lots going wrong with us, Lord, physically. Uh, there are many people in need of, of healing, Lord. Uh, there are many people in need of a special touch of your, your healing power. Lord, in, in their lives. Uh, but Lord, none of us, none of us need your healing more than on our hearts. Uh, all of us need your healing on our hearts, God. And Jesus, we thank you so much that you're the one, you're the only one who can make our hearts pure. And even in the midst of, of being a Christian and living life, sometimes, Lord, we get paralyzed by situations or things that people have said or, or ways of thinking and habits that we have, Lord, and ways of coping, God, that sometimes just stop us from moving forward. And so, Lord, we just come to you, Lord. We carry them to you and we place them at your feet, Lord Jesus. We lower them through the roof. We, we make a way for bringing them to you tonight. We don't stop. We're just going to not let anything get in the way of bringing those things to you. And we know, Lord Jesus, that you can bring healing. You've brought healing to our hearts through the cross, through the empty grave, and you can bring healing to our hearts today. Holy Spirit, have your way. Continue to breathe your life and power into us, Lord, that we might be carriers of the gospel 
carriers of our own stories of how we were set free and and, uh, delivered from sin through Jesus. Lord, help us to pick up our mats and carry them around, sharing what you've done in our lives. And Lord, help us to never give up. Help us to never give up and push on, looking to you and trusting in you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we just thank you so much that everyone else can just look around in amazement at us as we continue walking step by step, simply because of your great power in our lives. We give you all the glory, Lord. Amen.